Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. We continue to make our way through the life and teachings of the Lord Jesus, and we are now at the uh, very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. In the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Jesus gives us a description of who is in the kingdom. So this is a description of Christian character. The Beatitudes, they have the name Beatitudes because in Latin, blessed is a a word that sounds very close to Beatitude. And uh, so they came to be known as the Beatitudes. If we were going to give them an English name, we would just call them the blessings, the blessednesses. Blessed is sometimes translated as happy, but I think it's more than just happy. This is someone who is happy because God has made him happy. So there's that, that factor to it, that it's not just a general sense of happiness, but a sense of well-being that has come because of, of God's uh, approving and encouraging and strengthening and growing the thing or the person who is under consideration. So we have these seven character qualities, and then if someone behaves this way, then it is almost certain that he will be persecuted, and Jesus includes some verses that talk about those are blessed who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Today we come to, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's begin reading. However, with verse 2, I'll read the entire description. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Before I particularize on blessed are the meek, for they shall be comforted, let me remind you that this is a description not of a few select Christians, but this is a description of the kind of character that every Christian ought to aspire to possess and emulate. Um, So every Christian is meant to be like this. Uh, These are character qualities that do not occur naturally. So there may be some kind of uh, natural character quality that we refer to as meekness, but as we will see, that's not what Jesus is talking about. So every Christian is to be like this, and every Christian is to demonstrate every every one of these characteristics. It's not just that you're supposed to be meek and I'm supposed to be hungry and thirsty after righteousness and someone else is supposed to be merciful. But all of these characteristics are to be demonstrated 
by every Christian. As I said, none of them are natural, and in fact, the, most of these character qualities are character qualities that the world does not appreciate, to put it mildly, and to put it a little strongly, they often despise these characteristics. Meekness is a good case in point. A, t- a totem is uh, an animal or a plant that represents uh, a family or a clan, and uh, in some cases, a character quality. Uh, so, most people know how to finish this sentence. He was wise as an owl. Wise as an owl. Uh, he was sly as a fox. Sly as a fox. Now, about half the people say what I want them to say here. He was meek as a mouse, is what I want you to say. Meek as a mouse. I found that about half the people say meek as a lamb. But uh, meek, meek as a mouse is, uh, is, a very, is a common figure of speech where the mouse represents what is alleged to be meekness. Now, uh, I, I think a mouse wields uh, an irrational amount of power. I have, uh, I have people in my life who are irrationally afraid of mice. And uh, I, I say irrational because I, if you know anyone who has been attacked by a mouse, I want you to talk to me on the way out. I don't want, to, I don't want you to raise your hand now, but if you know anyone who has been attacked by a mouse... Just let me, let me know on the way out. Uh, but I, it, to me, the fear of mice is, is disproportionate to the amount of harm that a mouse can cause. But I will just give you a little bit of marital advice. If you happen to be married to someone who is irrationally afraid of mice, if you're cleaning out the garage and you come across a dead dry one, don't throw it to her. Don't, don't throw it to him if it happens to be him. Uh, somebody told me about a fool who did that. And so it's just a good idea. Not, if someone is irrationally afraid of mice, then don't, don't uh, you know, plant fake mice in the drawer and, uh, and that sort of thing. But a, my, a mouse, so you, know, you, you, catch, you catch it out of the corner of your eye. It's always running. It, it never really just comes out and confronts you. It just is always furtive and running. And that's what a lot of people think meekness is. Meekness is this mousy character. Oh, you know, if, if that's what everybody wants, then that's, I'll go along with it. Just kind of a, a peace at any price person. In a few minutes, we will uh, get to some examples of people in the Bible who demonstrated meekness, and you will see that uh, they are not the retiring, uh, scared sort of people. Uh, in fact, one of my, uh, easy to remember this, meekness is not weakness. One of my favorite definitions of meekness is meekness is strength under control. Strength under control. Uh, so let's, let's plunge in first of all and continue to answer the question, what is meekness? 
what it is, and then secondly, where does it come from? What are the, what are the things that are behind this and uh, that lead to meekness? And then thirdly, I'll show you several examples from the Bible of men who demonstrated meekness. Then we'll uh, seek to answer the question, why are they blessed? Blessed are the meek, the answer, for they shall inherit the earth. So in what way do the meek inherit the earth? And then finally, just a sentence or two on how do we, how do we cultivate meekness as part of our own character. So first of all, let me repeat again that meekness, answering the question, what is meekness? Meekness here is not some kind of a natural characteristic. So there are some animals that are just nicer than other animals. There are some dogs that you just almost could not get them to bite you under any circumstances. And uh, we might say, well, that is a meek, it's a meek dog. And there are people who are naturally more nice than others, who just seem to uh, just have a, a, nice, a nice perspective on things, uh, just kind to everybody and thoughtful. They may not even be Christians, but they're just nice. But meekness is not that. I hope you are nice, but meekness is not just being nice. And then as I intimated earlier, meekness is not someone who says, well, I'm just going to settle for peace no matter what the costs. I'm not going to take a strong stand uh, for anything, and uh, that, that seems to me to be uh, the, the, the prerequisite undergirding the universal demand for tolerance in our culture. But if you, if you have universal, to universal toleration is only possible for someone who doesn't have strong convictions about anything. And... Uh, so, but it's not just universal toleration, just anybody can do whatever they want to do, let's all just coexist and make sure that we put all the religious symbols in the, in the bumper sticker. That, that is, that's not what is meant by meekness. Uh, meekness uh, is an appropriate attitude towards yourself, and that attitude expressing itself in your attitudes and behavior towards others. So it is an appropriate attitude towards yourself and that attitude expressing itself in your behavior and your perspective on others. And others would include both God and people. And when we bring people into the equation, we're bringing in a factor that has not been obviously present in the first two Beatitudes. So in the first beatitude, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, we are recognizing that we are beggars before God. We have nothing that he needs. We have nothing to bribe him with. We have no leverage with God. We are entirely dependent upon him for everything. But the Lord says, you're blessed because no one gets into the kingdom of heaven who is not like that. Those who are poor in spirit are in the kingdom of heaven. But then that poverty of spirit causes us to look at ourselves and say, I'm sad about the sin that has brought about this extraordinary poverty of spirit. Even though the Lord blesses it, I'm in this, this condition of, of being poor in spirit because of my sin, and that makes me sad. And so we're 
We're sad about sin. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. But now we come to this third beat. So, so far, Beatitudes 1 and 2, it's mostly introspection. I'm poor in spirit. I'm sad about it. I've been comforted by the Lord. But now in this third beatitude, meekness has to do with our, not just our attitude towards ourselves, but our attitude, our demeanor, our behavior towards other people. And meekness virtually without fail occurs in a context where someone is behaving towards you in a way that you would rather you would rather respond with anger but you don't or you have the potential to as we make progress maybe we wouldn't even rather respond with anger but we have the potential to respond with with strength or with anger and we do not do it that's more of the spirit of meekness so meekness is not the mouse who is uh, running, but meekness is more like a strong cat who decides that he is going to have mercy on the mouse. The cat is showing meekness when he uh, controls his strength. Now, this, this spirit of meekness, so that, that's a general idea of what meekness is. It's an appropriate attitude towards yourself that is, you have recognized that you are a sinner. You don't deserve anything from God, but God has shown you mercy. He has comforted you. And now you look at the world through that perspective. You have been forgiven of great things, and so now you are poised to forgive other people. Uh, God has been merciful to you, and so now you have a changed character that uh, disposes you to be merciful towards other people. So it logically follows after, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And now, blessed are those who are meek. Causes us to have a new perspective on ourselves, and then we have gained a fresh perspective on others. Now, when we have this fresh perspective towards others, it includes both God and people. So, first of all, there are times when God in His providence puts upon us circumstances that we would rather not be in. But the meek response is, I am going to submit to you in this. And so, that response is possible because you have already seen how merciful God has been to you because of your sin, in spite of your sin. He has been merciful to you in spite of your sin. And so you're learning that God is a character who can be trusted. And so in meekness, you say, Lord, I submit to you. Whatever comes, your will be done. I'm going to submit to you. That's, that's the meek person's response. The meek person is always was closely aligned to contentment. It's not exactly the same as contentment, but it's closely aligned with contentment. Meekness will produce contentment because you have experienced God in such a way that makes you know that He can be trusted even when there are 
adverse circumstances in your life. Uh, We sang a song this morning. When darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. So the darkness represents represents the, the thing that you'd rather not be going through, the sadness, the conflict that you would rather not be going through. But you see that it is, it is God's hand. And so you say, though darkness veils his lovely face, I rest on his unchanging grace. You have come to learn that he is a gracious person and he can be trusted. In one of my favorite poems by John Donne, He writes, though thou with clouds of anger do disguise thy face, yet through that mask, that mask of clouds, I know those eyes, which though they turn away from me sometimes, they never will despise. You know, there are are some people in this congregation who have very unique eyes, I think, I think if Scott Gentry came up to me wearing a false face and nothing was visible but his eyes, I'd say, that's Scott Gentry. I know his eyes. I think if Christy Ray came up to me and she was wearing a mask and nothing was visible but her eyes, I'd think, that's Christy Ray. You just don't see eyes like that every day. And uh, that's, that's kind of what John Dunn is saying. I I know those eyes. They are the eyes of a gracious God. And so I'm not going to fight against you, Lord. Help me to submit to you in all circumstances. That's the meek response. The meek person is content. The Apostle Paul said, I've I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I've learned the secret. The source of my satisfaction is somewhere other than in a constant flow of happy circumstances and generous provision. The source of my happiness is based on His unchanging grace. So the meek person is content. But let's take it a step further. When it comes to our relationship to God, I think the meek person is always amazed that God treats him as well as he does. Because we've seen our sin. We've seen what we deserve. And when it gets right down to it, if you have dreaded the punishment of hell, if you have felt the the fire and smelled the brimstone, and God delivered you from that, then for the rest of your life, you ought to have the perspective If I'm out of hell, everything's good. Long as I don't go to hell, everything is going to be okay. So I think the meek person is always amazed at how well God treats him. But now let's let's look at how the meek person responds to others. This can be utterly transformative in your life and result in your great happiness. Your happiness ought not to depend on the way that other people treat you, whether good or bad. If they treat you bad, then your perspective ought to be, it's better than I deserve. We have a man in our church, Roy Jean, he's not here this morning, but he's almost always here when he's healthy enough to be here. And and those of us who have known him for years know that when you ask Roy Jean 
how are you? His stock response is, better than I deserve. Now that's a really good perspective to have on life. No matter what is going on, it's better than I deserve. I'm reminded of a couple of examples of uh, not from the Bible yet. I'll get to those in a minute. Uh, but have, have you ever, maybe you have seen the old movie from the 19, late 70s, early 80s of Little Orphan Annie. So the little red-headed girl, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, there's always tomorrow. So there's a, a rich man, Daddy Warbucks, who for promotional reasons wants to have a, an orphan come into his house for a short while, just a day or two. And he wants a boy. But through circumstances, little orphan Annie ends up in his house. And uh, Warbucks, Daddy Warbucks, is gruff towards her. He's plain. I wanted a boy. Uh, well, can't she just stay for a day? And uh, so she's wandering around the mansion, Daddy Warbucks' mansion, looking at everything and just full of wonder and making friends with the kitchen help and, and everyone who works there. And then the, I think it's the very next day that Warbucks says, all right, send her back. And uh, people are saying, no, don't send her back. We want her to stay. And then Orphan Annie speaks up and she says, oh, it's okay. If you send me back, I've still had the best day of my life. I, this is so great. Thank you so much for giving me this one day. And, of course, it, it melts his heart. And he ends, up, he ends up adopting her. I hate to ruin the story for you, but he, does, he adopts her. Uh, but I just think, when, I, when I've seen that movie, I think, that is, that is just the attitude that I want to have. Just, oh God, how good you've been to me. I was just an orphan. I was estranged from you. I was in your enemy's household. And you've brought me into your family. Oh, thank you so much. This is so great. These, these troubles that I'm encountering, oh, it's nothing compared to hell. Thank you so much that you're not sending me to hell. The, the meek person has seen that for himself. We don't mind that much saying, I'm a dirty, rotten sinner. It's when somebody else says, you're a dirty, rotten sinner, that we say, hey, wait a second. We kind of get our guard up and, hey, you got no right to talk to me like that. It's when somebody else starts that. But maybe we could just cultivate the attitude of, they don't know the half of it. You could just kind of... Quietly say to yourself, they think ill of me, but they don't know the half of it. Their, their ill thoughts towards me may be unfounded. This doesn't mean that we have to shut our eyes to justice. But it does mean that it, it, it affects our response to people. We have seen ourselves, but then we also have seen a big picture of why it is that people act so ugly and so mean. They are still under the influence of sin. In the way that we are still to some degree. But thanks be to God who has delivered us so that we are no longer under the dominion of sin in the way that we once were. But when other people who are under the dominion of sin behave like sinners, what did we expect? They're sinners. And we, instead of responding with with anger and vengeance and, oh, I'm going to show you. Oh, no, you didn't. And then 
and then responding that way, that we instead respond with a big-hearted kindness and a big-hearted gentleness. So, we've seen what meekness is. It's a proper attitude towards yourself and that attitude expressing itself in your attitude and actions towards others, both God and humans. Now, let's look at a few examples from the Bible of persons who were meek. And the first person that I want to mention to you is Abraham. So, Abraham, great man, friend of God, and Abraham had a nephew named Lot, who, uh, who possessed great flocks and herds. And it became so that the country could not support both Abraham's flocks and herds and Lot's flocks and herds. And so Abraham had every right to say, Lot, I'm here, you just go on somewhere else. But instead, Abraham, in meekness, in a, in a position of potential conflict, he took the meek position and he said, Lot, you choose which direction you'd like to go. I'll go the other way. And so, that's what happened. That, that is a, that's a manifestation of meekness. Or think about that story about Moses, that uh, he's married a Cushite woman. His brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, find fault with him. Apparently, they publicly... Uh, criticize him, and then the Bible says, and Yahweh heard what they said. And so then Yahweh comes down, and we read it a few minutes ago, Yahweh strikes Miriam with leprosy. I don't know why Aaron never got it too, uh, but M Miriam is struck with leprosy. And then Aaron says, oh, please, no, not this. Now, if you're in Moses' position, and your sister has publicly criticized you, what are you going to do? I'll sit back and say, let her have it, God. Give it to her. Give her something else, too. I'm tired of her mouthing me that way. No, that's not what Moses did. Moses says, oh, God, please save her. Please heal her. Please. That's meekness. That's, you see, meekness is not weakness. Abraham was not a weak man. Moses, not a weak man. Next example, David. David's son Absalom mounts a coup and drives his father out of Jerusalem. On the way out, there's some ne'er-do-well named Shimei who starts picking up dust and throwing rocks at, at David and saying, Get out of here, you man of blood. You're just getting what's, what, what you deserve. Get out of here. And one of David's right-hand men says, Let me go over there and cut that dead dog's head off. Let me go over there and cut his head off. And David says, my own son has rebelled against me. It may be that Yahweh has told him to curse me. Leave him alone. That's meekness. That's meekness. All David has to do is say, go. I mean, whichever, one it was, whichever boy it was, Ab Abishai or Asahel or Joab, whichever one of those sons of Zeruiah it was, he had his sword out and says, let me go over there and cut his head off. All David has to do is say, he doesn't have to say anything, just... <laughs> it's all over for Shimei. 
But David responds with meekness. We come to the New Testament and uh, we find this, this great man, the Apostle Paul, and people are, people are criticizing him. Even people who have been saved under his ministry are criticizing him. And he writes them a letter and he says, Now I'm going to come to you pretty soon. But I'm going to come to you in meekness. I'm not going to come out like Yosemite Sam with six guns blazing. I am going to come to you in meekness and in gentleness. Or you think about Stephen as he was being stoned to death saying, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. That's meekness. But of course, the great example of meekness is the Lord Jesus Christ. We see it many places in his, in his ministry where he's extremely patient with people. But there are a couple that stand out. You know, I read one of them to you from Matthew 21 a while ago when he, he rides a donkey into town. And, uh, but then there's, uh, when the crucifixion takes place, before, when he's betrayed in the garden, Peter pulls out his sword and tries to cut off a man's head. The man's name was Malchus. I'm sure that Malchus dodged, and he, and P, but Peter's sword shaved off his ear. Jesus picks up the ear, reattaches it, heals it, and he tells Peter, put away your sword. Don't you know that even now I could ask my father for 12 legions of angels? Right there, they would all be over. But Jesus didn't call the angels. Instead, he quietly submits to his father's will. He submits to the rage of these mindless fools who crucified him. That's meekness. That's strength under control. Now let's move on and ask. So we've seen several examples of people who demonstrated meekness. And they all are people of great strength. Abraham, Moses, Paul, Stephen, Jesus. All people who have great strength. David. So why are they blessed? So this scripture says, Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And I think that there are two ways that we can see that the meek inherit the earth. First of all, there is a sense in which the meek inherit the earth right now. So contented submission to the will of God is the way to be happy. Fretful, anxious resistance to the will of God is the way to be miserable. And so if even now you are in wonder at how good God has been to you, if even now you see that people are behaving the ugly ways that they're behaving because of sin, and instead of being mad at them, you instead love them and feel sorry for them. You are in a position to be a happy person right now. And so there is a sense that even now, those who are meek inherit the earth. But then there is a future sense. Those who are meek will inherit the earth. Now this, this statement appears a couple of times in the Old Testament. And it's in a context of those who are meek are going to inherit the land. So they will be part of, they will get to live in the promised land. 
Well, we're, we're not looking forward to living in a particular plot of real estate somewhere on the east of the Mediterranean. We are looking forward to a new heavens and a new earth that belongs to the people of God. And so those who are meek receive the promises that are made to the people of God. And so those who are meek are happy, they're blessed, for they shall inherit the earth. Now finally, just a sentence or two about how do we obtain meekness. And for that, I'm going to have you turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 11. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11. Often in modern translations, the word that has been translated meekness is translated gentleness. That's the case here in 1 Timothy 6, 11. We read gentleness, but it is the same word when Jesus says, blessed are the meek. And here's what it says. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. And as I said, that word gentleness, the Greek behind that is the word that we have in the Beatitudes of meekness. Pursue meekness. Pursue it. Now that you know what it is, pray for it. Seek to demonstrate it in your relationships. Seek to cultivate that kind of attitude of, I don't deserve anything but wrath from God, and He has been so good to me. I don't deserve to be petted and praised by everybody on earth. I deserve to be in hell. Pursue that attitude, and you will be blessed, for they shall inherit the earth. We're getting ready to uh, partake in the Lord's Supper, so I'll ask those who will help to serve the meal to come forward. We often, uh, well, there are several names that we use for the Lord's Supper. The one that I most often use here is the Lord's Supper. And that emphasizes the provision that God has made for us. But there's another word that's used in the Bible to describe the Lord's Supper, and that word is communion. And communion emphasizes the fact that we're in fellowship with one another. The people who take this meal, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So we're having communion not just with one another, but we're also having communion with our Father. Uh, since this is a meal that is for Christians only... I also believe that the Bible teaches that a person ought to be baptized before he partakes in this meal. Then I ask you to respect that. We're not going to go around and smack your hands if you take a piece of bread and you haven't been baptized. But I do believe that the Bible teaches that this is for people who have been converted, people who have already followed the Lord in baptism and declared their faith in Him that way. And now this is an ongoing profession of faith in Christ. But today, let's especially enjoy this aspect of, of the Lord's Supper, that we are participating in communion with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for providing this great feast for us.
And as we gaze upon these pretty little dishes in front of us, we know that they hold tasty bread and tasty grape juice. It's not much of a meal for physical nourishment. But what it represents spiritually, not a nice little square of bread, but a man's body, a man who didn't deserve to be beaten, but who was beaten so badly that he almost never even looked like a human. And the, the juice of this grape is sweet, and most of us like it, but it represents blood. It represents blood that burst forth from his back when he was mercilessly flogged. And the Bible says that his back was like a plowed field. And the Bible says that he was nailed to the cross. And when those nails went through his hands and through his feet, we know that blood came rushing out and dripping down. And Oh Lord, it was a great price that you paid for our salvation. Your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. We remember you when we do this. We pray in your name. Amen.